Amen. Take out your Bibles. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28 within God's Word. Matthew chapter 28 in God's Word. Get that faith declaration and put it to your side there if you would. We're going to read that in a few moments. I hope you have a sermon study guide. If you did not receive either one of those or missing one of those, raise your hand and an usher will get that to you expeditiously this morning. Matthew chapter 28, our main text here this morning. Matthew 28, amen, within God's word. Praise the Lord. One of the things that sad my heart so much when I drive around the metro area, Michigan, whether it's a big city, a small town, or a village. Have you ever seen it where a church building has been converted into a commercial enterprise, a restaurant, or a bar even? Have you ever witnessed that, seen that? Somewhere, somehow, that church lost its purpose, not in all situations, but in many circumstances. Reminds me, true story, Atlanta, Georgia, Church of God Church became known far and wide, became famous for their fried chicken. Yeah, when they'd have dinner on the grounds. Like, uh, that's why we're going to have a cater next week for Homecoming Sunday. <laughs> it's all fully catered. I can't, you can't get a better deal at McDonald's. Join us. They became famous for their fried chicken, so famous that all they would do was make fried chicken. Finally, they said, why do church any longer? Let's become a restaurant, and now you can go down to Atlanta, Georgia, and have really good fried chicken at the Church of God Grill. But you won't hear the preaching of the gospel. That church, like many businesses, when you lose your purpose, when you lose sight of your main mission, when you lose your focus, you cease. You cease to function to that which you were called to. What is our calling? What is our calling? I want you to know that Lakeside's calling is not, is not to make converts. That might be a shock. Lakeside's calling... Our chief calling is not to win souls. Our chief calling is not to make decisions, but to make what? Disciples, which includes winning souls for Jesus Christ. Our calling is to reach and then to teach and then to keep, hallelujah, men, women, boys and girls, for the glory of God. And on that day of days, we'll report on how well we did. So, just as you renew your vows in your marriage, there come certain seasons in the life of a church that we need to renew our vows so we don't forget our main calling, our mandate, our purpose as the people of God here at Lakeside. I need your help in this. Would you help your pastor this morning not to be just a single, solitary, solo voice? Can we come together right now and be a team? Can we declare to heaven and hell what our main purpose is as a church? Would you stand with me right now and loudly give a faith declaration with your pastor, a faith declaration of discipleship? Read it with me right now. We, the congregation of Lakeside Assembly of God, renew our vow to make Christ's main mission our main mission. His main mission was to make, not to make decisions, but disciples, Christ's followers. We then shall continue to obey our heavenly commander in chief's command. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We know the best answer for lives, marriages, and families is the life of Christ. So in view of Christ's discipleship mandate and the need of today's homes, we will provide a multiplicity of word-based, spirit-anointed services, classes, and ministries for children, youth, and adults to train them in God's Word and to be Christ's followers. 
We declare with the Apostle Paul, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We gladly recognize discipleship is worthy of our best efforts, and we will endeavor to make Christ's followers with all excellence. It is primarily for the discipleship mandate. Our Lord has given Lakeside that we are pursuing our God-given phase four expansion and improvement vision, a vision to greatly enhance our ability to reach, teach, and keep children, youth, and adults for Jesus for the glory of God. Therefore, we will pray and ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We will rededicate ourselves to be willing to be those workers, those teachers, those leaders for the Lord of the harvest. With our Lord's help, we will move in a spirit of generosity to faithfully provide funds for ministry and future facilities. We will be a people of vision, faith, and sacrifice, for we are his disciples called to make disciples for the glory of God. Let's give God all the glory this morning. I so appreciate you standing with me. Remain standing in reverence of God's Word. Let's discover what it means to be a discipling church this morning. Lord, as we stand before you right now in holy reverence to the preaching of your Word and our discipleship mandate, Lord, we pray, O oh God, that you'll seal this Word in our spirit Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. In the name of Jesus, amen. This morning as you're seated, I want to preach a message that God's placed upon your pastor's heart, sold out and radical. Follow along with me. Fill in the blanks if you have a sermon study guide. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. Would you agree? Real disciples are more than converts. They are Christ followers who know God's Word. I'm asked often, Pastor, is there a difference between converts and disciples? A difference? It's night and day. It's like asking, is there a difference between a baby and a mature adult? New converts, you've heard me say it many times, are baby Christians who need a lot of TLC in the church. The purpose of the church is to grow and equip believers to be mature in the knowledge of God's Word and in walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our calling here at Lakeside is to focus, not on numbers, to focus on quality disciples for the glory of God. Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus said, narrow is the road to eternal life, and few thereof that find it. Disciples. Disciples read, study, meditate, and memorize God's Word. Why? Remember what Jesus said? More than make disciples, Jesus said in Matthew 28, teaching them to do what? Observe all things that I have commanded you. Our calling is to equip Christians to follow the words of Jesus Christ, both in head and in heart. Why? Why is that important? Jesus answered again in John 15. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Oh, is this important in mountain moving? And it will be done for you. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Jesus' words, His commandments were based on the totality of this blessed book, the Bible. Every word of God's Word is bathed, it's drenched, it's saturated, it's immersed by the Spirit of God. That's why the proclaiming of this Word is so powerful. How many coffee drinkers do we have out there? How many coffee? Praise the Lord, I'm in good company. Let's, 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 let's part the waters. Let's separate the men from the boys. How many of you coffee drinkers out there are like me and you just can't stand decaf? 
You can't stand it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like my coffee. Uh, that's a walking, talking coffee. I mean, decaf, it won't uh, wake you up. It won't uh, stir you up. It won't keep you up. Amen. It just can't do it. Some are preaching a caffeine-free gospel today. It's a people-pleasing gospel. It's a gospel that preaches, I'm okay. Okay, let's face it, we're all going to heaven. Oh, no, we're not. That might bring in the dollars on TV, but that's not the gospel truth. That's a caffeine-free gospel. Caffeine-free gospels won't keep you up, wake you up, stir you up, shake you up, make you holy up. It won't uh, send you up when the trumpet blows. Yes, I'm talking about caffeine-free gospels. I'm talking about the Word of God. God help us that a feel-good gospel ever gets allowed here at Lakeside Assembly of God. Because this church is all about the whole gospel, the full gospel. Not a slice, not a dice of it. We preach the whole loaf. I said the whole loaf here at Lakeside. You see, real disciples know that they know that they know I'll tell you when I come to that. You're way ahead of me. Real disciples realize God's Word is not the latest self-help book or the bestseller in positive thinking. What is this Word? This Word that we preach, this Word that we teach, what is it? What is it? It's not some psychological peace of mind pap. It's not some self-improvement book that comes off of Reader's Digest. This is the inerrant, divinely inspired, infallible, immutable, indestructible, holy Word of God. It is an anointed, appointed Word. This Word, when it is preached and proclaimed, either corporately or individually, has power. According to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper, Paul said, than any double-edged sword. To the piercing asunder, to the dividing of soul and spirit. It discerns the innermost thoughts and the motives of the heart. Uh, God has given His Word uh, to grow you, to equip you, to furnish for you life. Know His Word. Real disciples have a passion for His Word. Real Christ followers mark it down. Make Jesus' mission their mission. They disciple others in God's Word. You know, I, I honestly don't know of another spirit-filled church in the metro area that provides what Lakeside provides. Now, I was having fun with you with my volleyball team, but I'm not fooling around right now. I am proud of Lakeside Assembly of God. We provide more elective classes, more interest-oriented classes, more Bible classes, more doctrinal classes, more community uh, interest classes, more life groups, support groups, uh, connection groups that I know of of any Pentecostal spirit-filled church in the metro area. We are blessed here at Lakeside Assembly of God. Real discipleship is an ongoing process. If you're real, really serious about it, you'll be a part, you'll be a part of what God is doing here at Lakeside in growing in the Word. My preaching is not enough for you. You need to be a part of, of classes, prayer groups, small groups, discipleship, growth in Jesus. Best happens, not in pews, but in circles as we grow in the context of relationship with each other and in relationship with the Lord. But where's the greatest missionary field today? Where's the closest thing to the heart of God today? Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells us, when Jesus saw this, He was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to Me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
I'm convinced that the church needs a wake-up call. While so many in the church world today are playing church, and the church has become an entertainment business, we're losing an entire generation of children and young people to the halls of hell. The church, I remind you, is always one, one, count my hand, one generation away from oblivion. One generation away from extinction. Every generation is a link in the chain that is called the church. Thank God there's always been a remnant, a faith-believing remnant in Jesus Christ for the last 2,000 years. Thank God for a holy chain. But I'll warn you, if we don't reach a young generation for Jesus Christ, like those young people that just stepped out to our middle school service, and let me tell you, Pastor Ben preaches a Pentecostal message, a message of the Word and the Spirit, where there's a balance of the Word and the Spirit, there's power. And he teaches and preaches it on their age level, their cultural level. He touches base with their needs. That's why I'm so glad for it and your response. But if we lose out, if we miss out on just one generation, the funeral director will empty this church out pew by pew by pew by pew. That's why your church, and I thank God for a people of vision, that's why your church has arisen up and said, we must build, we must arise and build phase four for the glory of God. I've been asked by many quarters, why aren't we expanding this sanctuary? And I'll tell you why. Because the main mission of the church is discipleship. Discipleship takes place best in age-oriented, small group, classroom, facility-type structures. We are called to raise up a holy generation for Jesus Christ, not just in our senior citizens, but among our young people, among our children. How is it? That despite the fact that God has been banned from the public school system, the Bible is the most banned book in America today, and it's been proven, proven, that most people find Christ between age 4 and age 14. How is it that in church after church after church, Sunday school is being canceled? Youth ministry services are being canceled. Boys and girls clubs like our Royal Rangers and our Impact program are being canceled. Bible quiz is being put on the shelf. Fine arts is losing out. Why? Why in the face of when Jesus said, bring the children to me, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, bring the children to me. Do not hinder them. How is it that in church after church, I can describe, I can point them out to you, right in our metro area, in our own fellowship. I'm not talking about the Baptists, Presbyterians, or Methodists. I'm talking about our own fellowship. And I'll tell you what the pastors have told me. Pastors have looked me in the eye and said, we have done away with Sunday school. We have done away with men and women's ministries. We've done away with boys and girls clubs. We've done away with Bible quiz. We've done away with fine arts, all these auxiliary ministries that break down young people and children into small groups where they can feast and grow upon the Word of the Lord and be discipled as Christ's followers. We've let go of all of those ministries because we're tired of recruiting volunteers to lead to teach and to work in those ministries for the glory of people are just too busy anymore. So we've let them go. And I say, God, help us. God, help us. We're going to end up being like the cathedrals in Europe that are no longer churches. They're museums for the tourists to wander through. Somehow, somewhere, somebody lost the vision. 
They lost the mandate. They lost the purpose. They lost the calling that the church is to reach every generation, that the church uh, is to be a discipling church for the glory of God. Lakeside, Lakeside, don't lose the vision. Let's not lose our purpose. We well know that we're called to be disciples, but many of us forget that real disciples make disciples for God's great glory, especially our children. Our children. You know, I find it interesting. Excuse me for being a little bit of in the critic's corner on today's church, but I find it real interesting. Pastor Hal uh, who, you know, pastors that have been around the block for a while know whereof I speak. I find it very interesting when uh, we've got people in our churches that populate our pews today that have all kinds of time and all kinds of energy to be what I call fire chasers. Fire, do you know what a fire chaser is in Christian circles? Huh? They hop about to be under the spout where they think the glory's coming out. Oh, Pastor, did you hear? There's a healer over at that church across town, and all kinds of miracles are happening. Oh, Pastor, it's glorious. Pastor, that's where, that's where I want to be. Pastor, did you hear? Over here, there's a prophet. Our next door church, there's a prophet, and he's prophesying over people. Oh, he's giving personal prophecies. Oh, Pastor, I just felt the, the holy doodads going up and down my spine when he spoke a word of prophecy over me. Oh, Pastor, did you hear? Uh, they're having revival over here. I mean, all kind people are falling down all over the place. And I, I look them in the eye and I, and I say, hey, do you have time to serve as a Sunday school teacher? Could, could you help us out with our girls' program and minister to our little girls in our impact? Uh, minute? Could you help our boys in our Royal Ranger? Uh, uh, our youth program, could you be a leader? I'm sorry, but I don't have time for that. Can't you find somebody else? I ask you, what kind of faith is that? James the Apostle, check me out, James the Apostle said, you brag to me about your faith, I brag to you about my works. Because faith without works is, there it is. I don't care how many holy doodads are going up and down your spine. If you're not, if you're not propagating life, if you're not begating spiritual life, if you're not nurturing, if you're not reaching, teaching, and keeping for the glory of God, if you're not involved in, in the Lord's main business, discipleship, you're missing out on God's will for your life. And look out when we miss out on God's will for our life. When we miss out on God's will, we don't hear any commendations of well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, that leads us, that leads us to our next point. Would you fill in the blank with me? More than knowing the Lord's will and word, more than an intellectual knowledge, real disciples must live the word. Real disciples live the word because the greatest threat to the church today is carnal Christianity. Listen, the greatest threat to the church today it's not secular humanism. It's not the New Age movement. It's not a morally bankrupt society. It's not paganism. It's not a threat from without. The greatest threat to the church today is a threat from within. Lackadaisical, lethargic, apathetical, armchair, comfortable, casual Christianity. Paul calls it carnal Christianity. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, And I, brethren, who is Paul talking to? I, brethren, who is Paul talking to? To the church. I could not speak to you as spiritual. I could not speak to you as followers of Christ, as spiritual people, but as to carnal, 
They had become carnal Christians. I want to give you seven quick traits of what it means to be real Christ followers. I'm going to move quickly. Let's see if you can follow along. You can write it down on paper or just register it in your mental notepad, in your spirit. Carnal Christians! Why do they follow Jesus? Why do they come to church? Oh, mark it well. They follow Christ for what they can get out of Christ and His church. Their constant prayer is, give me a blessing. When carnal Christians are approached with an opportunity for ministry, they're filled with excuses. Can't you find somebody else? I just can't do it. The disciple, though, says, do you have a ministry, pastor? Can you sign me up? How can I help? How can I shoulder the burden of Lakeside Assembly of God? If you would listen in on the prayer of disciples, you would hear them pray, make me a blessing. Make. They don't pray, give me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Carnal Christians. Carnal Christians. They're high-maintenance people. Do you have any high-maintenance people in your relationship circles, family, friends, huh? People that exist, their sole purpose in life is just to wear you out. <laughs> They're high-maintenance people, huh? Are you with me in this? Sure. They want others to do the work. They want others to bear the cost, make the sacrifices. They're dead weight around the neck of the church. What can you do for me, they say. They're consumer-oriented Christians. Mark it well. Disciples are team players. They shoulder the burden of ministry. The carnal Christian, though. Carnal Christian's a complainer. The carnal Christian is a criticizer, especially when it comes to giving. They criticize the church that challenges them in giving. Disciples, however, are excited about financially blessing God's work. They're excited about the vision of the church. They're excited about opportunities to see ministries grow, missionaries sent, churches built, the glory of God spread around the world. Carnal Christians are content with just a head knowledge of Jesus. Mark it well, though, more than a head knowledge, disciples have a passion to have a heart knowledge about Jesus. They want to go where Jesus would go. They want to touch those that Jesus would touch. They want to do what Jesus would do. They want to be what Jesus is. Carnal Christians. I've often thought of carnal Christians like rowboats. The only way you can get them to do anything is to push them. I've often thought of it for you nautical people. This is just for you nautical people out there. Uh, carnal Christians are like sailboats. They go wherever the wind blows. But real disciples, real Christ followers are motorboats. Despite the wind, despite the storm, despite the gale, they go where God has called them to go. They can go upstream for the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ, because they're real, true followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Carnal Christians, boy, if there's one thing you can count on with carnal Christians, that's inconsistency. Inconsistency. Sure. We watch it. We watch it in the office and as pastors. They sign up. Yeah, I'll help you, Becky, in the nursery. Yeah, Pastor Hal, I'll help you. I'll be a worker. Yeah, yeah, Pastor Ryan, I'll be a youth leader. I'll sign up. But then they're a no-show. A no-show. Sign up, but don't show up. They're no-shows. Yes. You can't count on them. They're not dependable. They're not reliable. What would you consider a refrigerator that only worked half the time? What would you consider a car that every time you put the key in the ignition, you, okay, let's have a word of prayer right now before I, I turn this key. Oh, family, let's join hands now. Let's pray. I, I don't know for sure if it's going to turn on or not, start or not. What would you consider anything in life that only showed up or worked, functioned part of the time? 
Same way Jesus does. On that day of days, when the works are shown, they're either going to be wood, hay, and stubble and be burned up, or they're going to be precious gems, gold, silver, for the glory of God. These are not my words. They are the teachings of Holy Writ. Disciples can be counted on. Disciples can be depended upon. A key trait of disciples, they are faithful. Outside of the church, outside of the church, you'll see no difference between the carnal Christian and the world. You'll see no difference between the half-hearted, namby-pamby, compromising, copping out, caving in carnal Christian and the sinner. They walk the same. They talk the same. Oh, on Sunday, the carnal Christian, oh, he looks just like one of us. But Monday through Saturday, he don't live like an angel. He walks and talks like the devil himself. Carnal Christians, real disciples, however, can. Real disciples want others to see Jesus. Be Jesus in them, in their walk and their talk. Finally, finally, disciples are sold out and radical for their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does that mean to be sold out? To be radical for Jesus. I want you to know here, when we talk about being sold out and radical for Jesus, we're not talking about some easy, lazy boy recliner armchair religion. Let's just put it into uh, low gear and coast to heaven. None of that here. This morning, I want us to do what the Holy Word of God says. God's Word says in 1 Corinthians 11, let everyone, let every Christian, examine themselves. Jesus, Jesus said count the cost. Why? Jesus was asking for not numbers. He wasn't into quantity. He was into quality. He was looking for sold out and radical believers, followers of Him. That's why He said, if anyone wants to follow me, come after me, let them take up their cross and follow me. That's why Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there are that find it. Real disciples, I want to end up by giving just three quick, three quick traits of real disciples Real followers of Jesus Christ. Sold out and radical followers of Jesus Christ. Number one, they are characterized by conviction. When you're sold out and radical for Jesus, you're a Christian with conviction. That is a word we don't hear anymore in the church. That is a word you will rarely ever hear a TV evangelist ever use. Because it is known in preaching and teaching circles today as a very negative word, conviction. But I want you to know the principle is found throughout the Word of God. What are your convictions? What are your convictions? Conviction is when you take your beliefs and translate your, what you believe into your lifestyle. Lakeside Assembly of God, what do you believe? Do you believe in holiness? Be ye holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Do you believe in holiness? Do you believe in honesty? Do you believe in integrity? Do you believe in the power and the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, your prayer language, your praise language? What do you believe? What are your convictions? Convictions, translating what I believe into my lifestyle. Your convictions will cost you something. Does your family, do your friends know what your convictions are? Or do you just follow the crowd? Because hmm? you want to be accepted so desperately. Do you talk like they talk? Do you laugh at the same jokes that they laugh at? 
Do you compromise? Do you cave in? Do you cop out because of the crowd? Jesus most definitely said that salvation, grace is free, but discipleship, following Him will cost you everything. That's why Jesus said, count the cost. Count the cost. In fact, Jesus became so radical about you and I selling out and living 110% for Him. I want to give you a scripture verse that did not come from some radicalized, uh, fundamentalist, right-wing pastor, preacher. But I want to give you a little sermon net that came from Jesus Himself to show you how radical our Lord was. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. Oh, Jesus talked about hell? Yes, Jesus talked about hell. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Eternity is just a heartbeat away. Verse 9, Jesus said, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to have life, enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. I preached that when I was a youth pastor over 30 years ago to a youth group. And listen, I had no problem keeping their attention. You should have seen the eyes <laughs> of those kids. What is Jesus talking about here? Is Jesus talking about literal amputation here? Tell me, yes or no? Oh, thank God. We're not into some uh, masochistic uh, religion here whatsoever in Christianity. Je what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, if there is something in your life that is a source of temptation, something in your life that leads you away from Him and gets you off focus with Him, even though it's a good thing, it might be your smartphone, but you've got a problem with pornography on it. Then you can't handle smartphones. Get rid of it. It's better to get rid of your cell phone and go to an old basic cell phone than to go to hell with a smartphone. Are you with me? Huh? Well, this is just a setup for a video clip I want to show you right now. I want to show you the kind of preaching I was brought up with. It was not a people-pleasing preaching that I was brought up with. It's not the kind of TV preaching that we hear so much as we channel surf the Christian channels today. I want to bring you back to old-fashioned, old-time gospel, gospel preaching from preacher Al Martin. It's just a little clip. Can we have the, all the lights turned off, please? I've set the stage by Jesus' teaching on the eye or the hand to what Al Martin's about to say. Turn up the volume, please. I want to feel it. Saving faith is the desperate thrust of a helpless soul upon the arms of an almighty Savior. Are you doing what Jesus, who speaks the words of the Father, are you doing what he says? Seek first the kingdom of God. Taking every step necessary to stop feeding your lust in God's name. Why, 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 why? Will you sit through another service and stand by a signpost that points you away from hell and the wrath of God and to heaven and life and forgiveness and hug death to your breast? Therefore, 
of true and safe. Or you just occasionally have a little whimper in the closet when your conscience gets so active you can't live with it. And you whimper and cry and ask God for a little help and then you go right back with your hand and your eyeball firmly attached. Oh yes, once in a while you take a dull paring knife and scratch your hand and occasionally you, you scratch around your eyeball but you haven't begun to cough and cry. You better listen to the words of Jesus. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter. But he that does the will of my Father in heaven. If ye by the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, ye shall live. If you live after the flesh, you'll die. The cross does not give us a minor shift or two with regard to a few of our ethical and moral and religious values. The cross radically disrupts the very center and citadel of your life from self to Christ. And if the cross has not done that, you're not a Christian! My friend, face it! Young or old, you're not a Christian! Until the cross has radically disrupted the very center and citadel of your life brought you from a life of commitment to serve self, whether it's religious self, moral self, proud self, covetous self, lustful self, prideful self, unforgiving self, lazy self, it doesn't matter what are the focal points of the reign of yourself. If you've gone to the cross in union with Christ, it's been shattered. I want you in that day when you stand with me before the judge of the world to have him say, come you blessed, come you blessed. I don't want to look at you standing there saying, Lord, 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 I named you in earth. I named you before the elders. I named you before the church. I named you in prayer meeting. I named you in witness. And Lord, now, Lord, Lord, did I not this, did I not that? I don't want to hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you, you worker of anything, you never were made a doer of the will of God, you learned enough and you learned what to say properly enough to be accepted for what you professed yourself to be on earth, and now the day of judgment has come, and the truth is now to be known. pastor or parishioner from preacher to the pew that's a word we all need today that's a word that quickens my heart I'm not advocating a steady diet of that kind of preaching you know that I do not follow that but I do want you to know that that wakes us up that gets our attention are you really a Christian Jesus is looking for, Jesus is searching for souls that are completely sold out to Him. And that there is nothing, nothing that whatsoever would separate us from our Father's love, that would separate us from walking with Him. He's looking for a holy people. He's looking for a people of passion. He's looking for a people that are faithful unto Him. It is said that a Greek soldier was found sleeping on duty in Alexander the Great's army. And when the young soldier was brought before Alexander, and Alexander could have had him put to death because that was the pattern of the day with those found sleeping on duty. Alexander the Great had mercy on that soldier that had fallen asleep. But then Alexander found out that this soldier's name was also Alexander. And Alexander the Great said this, either you change your name or you change your behavior. We have the name of Christ. We are Christ ones, Christians. 
We carry His name. We bear His name. We're called to reflect Him to the world. Like Al Martin said, are you really a Christian? Are you sold out and radical? What are your convictions? Do you stand for something with your family members and with your friends and with your loved ones? What are your convictions? The second trait of a disciple, a sold out and radical disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ is this. Put it on the screen. Sold out and radical Christ followers are driven to be committed Christians, not out of a sense of religious guilt. I didn't show you that clip to produce guilt or manipulation or out of duty, but out of a passionate love for Jesus. This year, Becky and I celebrated 36 years of marriage. Why do I continue to be true to our wedding vows? Uh, for better or for worse, why do I continue to remain married to Becky? Is it because I'm afraid of what people think? Is it out of a, of a sense of some form of duty or guilt that was uh, produced in me by my parents or by, by others? No! I remain married to my wife because I love her and I want no one else in my life. I want to be her husband. I'm passionately in love with her. Why should you be a sold out and radical follower of Jesus Christ? Because you're desperately in love with Him. If guilt is producing your walk and talk with Jesus, then you've missed the mark. You've missed the mark. That won't last at all. You'll be a roller coaster Christian, a carnal Christian. But if love <laughs> empowers your walk and talk for Jesus, look out, world. You're a sold out and radical believer for Jesus Christ. Lastly, the last trait of true sold out and radical followers, when you're sold out and radical for our Lord, you're determined to finish strong. You're determined, no matter the price, no matter the storms, no matter the mountains, you're determined to finish strong. Becky and I had the opportunity back in December to minister to the Italian Assemblies of God Church in Italy. Many of you might not be aware of this. There, there's, there's no Baptist church in Italy. Methodist, Nazarene, Presbyterian. You're either Catholic or you're Assemblies of God in Italy. Were you aware of that? I wasn't when I went to Italy. The Assemblies of God Church in Italy considers themselves older than the American Assemblies of God Church. And, and they're a strong church. And I, I was invited to come and be their missions conference speaker, and we've been invited back. I can't figure out why they're inviting a German back to preach to Italians. When we were there, we had an opportunity to tour in Rome. And one place that Becky and I toured is forever etched upon our memory. Would you show that slide, please? There, Becky is pointing across the ruins of Nero's palace. Caesar's palace. The real Caesar's palace. It's in ruins. There's hardly anything left, as you can see there. But what is left standing is Nero's Mamertine prison. That's the building that she's pointing at. Next slide. Here I'm standing down in that cell. Next slide. This is the walk that Paul had to take up the steps to the Mamertine prison, back to the cell. Next slide. This is where the Apostle Paul wrote the letter called 2 Timothy in your Bible. This is hundreds of feet below the surface. You cannot stand upright in this cell. It's cold, dank, a moldy, smelly place. It was known as Nero's hellhole. Nero's hellhole. Second slide. Next slide, please. It was in this 
place that Paul the Apostle wrote these words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Next slide. And not only unto me, but also unto them who also long for His appearing. Last slide. Will you finish strong? Sold out and radical believers, sold out and radical followers of Jesus Christ not only have convictions, they are not only empowered by their love for Jesus, but sold out and radical followers of Jesus Christ, they not only run the race, they're still going. They finish strong for Jesus. They're able to say, like Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. As Cindy comes to the keyboard this morning, how about it? How about it? What will be the epitaph of your life? Christian, will it be said that you coasted into glory? That you succumbed to half-hearted, lukewarm, a passionless Namby, pamby, milk toast, mundane, mediocre, miserable Christianity. Or will it be said, like Paul, that you fought the good fight? You finished your course. You kept the faith. You finished strong. Do you stand for something? Thursday morning, I got a call from a dear member from this church. This dear member, with my permission, had invited their Catholic relative to Wednesday night's big give. This Catholic relative and family member needed to perform some community service and the Catholic I told you the church their church I'll just tell you their Catholic church didn't allow for that didn't provide for that community service so they wanted to use ours and I gave permission we usually don't have outsiders serve with us but I didn't think it'd be a problem in handing out things in the second hour. I said, my, my only qualifier is that they need to be in the outreach service. We do a one-hour outreach service before we give the freebies away. We only had one family on Wednesday night that got all upset and walked out because they wanted the freebies right at 7 o'clock instead of going through the service. Who do you think was sitting right next to that family? Well, the Catholic relative. And fire fueled fire. And neither party liked the fact that I was talking about how drugs have killed so many celebrities and ruined their lives and alcoholism. I started off with Elvis Presley and went all the way to Robin Williams. They felt that you shouldn't warn kids uh, about drugs and alcoholism. And of course, they didn't like the fact that I preached Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And both parties walked off. And then this relative called our Lakeside member and reamed them out, one side down to the other. I have, I've been brought up in a faith like this. All of my relatives, all of my family members, I have no, I have no 
consciousness or awareness whatsoever of what some of you have had to put up with, with your relatives and family members that are in another faith, another religious background, and the persecution that you've dealt with. This one was told, you are not in the fullness of Christ. You are not participating uh, uh, in the, the rituals. You are not participating in the ceremonies of the, of the true church. You are going to hell. You are against the family. You are in an error. And this dear one sobbed with me on the phone for, the, for a, a long time. But they told me, Pastor, I'm not backing down. Pastor, I'm going through. Pastor, I'm going to keep walking the talk. Pastor, I'm going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to finish strong. And they hung up the phone with this one by saying, after this one vehemently, and this is the same one that has physically abused them, because of leaving the Catholic Church. They ended the phone conversation, our believer, our member, by saying, I want you to know, family member, I love you with the love of the Lord. Hallelujah. That to me, I don't know about you, that's a sold out and radical follower of Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, our call, our prayer, our heart's desire is to finish strong. To finish strong. To finish strong. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray, O oh God, that, Lord, you would cause us, you would call us to finish strong for you as sold out and radical disciples of Jesus Christ. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning. Are you that kind of a follower? You might wear the name tag Christian, but are you sold out to Him? Are you a radical follower of Jesus Christ? Are you truly a Christian? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. It's also a prayer of rededication. If you are here this morning and you're not absolutely 100% certain you're right with God and on your way to heaven, if you're not absolutely certain that you're where you should be in your walk and talk as a Christ follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want to include you in this prayer. This prayer might not be a prayer of complete salvation, but it might be a prayer of rededication in your life. I want to pray with you this morning. How many are here? You would say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I want to be born again. Or I want to be rededicated as a Christ follower. I want to make a decision this day to be more than a Christian. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you lift up your hand right now? I want to, I want to include you. I want to include you. Yes, 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 yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Both here on the main floor and in the balcony. Keep those hands up as a sign of your faith this morning. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now just as I am. I offer no defense, no excuses. Lord Jesus, I have sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you are my Savior. And Lord, I know that you have called not converts, not decisions, but you have called us to be disciples. Starting today, I want to pull out the stops and live for you like there's no tomorrow. I want to live for you as a sold out and radical follower of Jesus Christ. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. This day, I claim new life new strength in me.
a changed life, a changed outlook, a changed attitude, a different walk and talk. I rise up this day. I square my shoulders. I lift up my head. And I declare, I am a believer, a Christian, a sold out and radical follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe I'm born again on my way to heaven. I know I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.